So I am in a, uh, a season of really trying to learn uh, to be uh, resensitized to the, the invitation of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that, that I've learned about being a pastor here in this space uh, for 20 years is that you can just sort of get into your routines and do what you do, and that's not bad, but there are times where I think it's important to be flexible and adaptive. And at the first service, I was standing right there during the last song, and I felt a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit to put my sermon notes down and go in a completely different direction. And I haven't done that in years and years. Um, but I did it then and I'm going I'm to do it again. So uh, typically at our church, uh, we are an expository Bible teaching church. So we typically open the Bible, read from the Bible, and then kind of walk through a text. That's our rhythm. Uh, so if you're a first-time guest, like this is a little bit different today because I'm actually not, uh, we've read from the Bible early on, but now I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, and, uh, the, the thing with risks, right. Is that sometimes they don't work out. So if it doesn't work out, like, you know, just at the very least say, Hey, that guy tried, uh, to, to take a risk. Um, it's, it's kind of fun sometimes to be a little bit out over your, over your skis, as they say. So I'm going to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit's help to not totally mess this up. And then we're going to jump in and we're going to see if the Lord will meet us in story. And I know we have a lot of kids in the room. So kids, I'm going to tell you a story that some of you may know about this story, but moms and dads, I want to make no mistake about it. I'm primarily telling this story to you. Uh, this is not cute kid time. This is, this is for kids. But the thing about stories is stories are both for young people and old people alike. Maybe in a very unique way, one of the reasons why Jesus told stories so often in the pages of the New Testament is that stories find us. Uh, stories tell us something about ourselves by bypassing sort of our cognitive or pedagogical or doctrinal uh, filters that we put. Some of you grownups in this room are way too serious and you take yourselves maybe too seriously. My hope is that you will hear in this story something that the kid sitting next to you is more easily able to hear. But first, let's pray that I don't mess it up. Father, we ask for your grace. We pray, God, that we would see and hear story in a way that would invite us to think about uh, our own lives and to think about you. And God, as we take a risk today, uh, as we pivot off of what was planned, I, I ask, Holy Spirit, for you to come into that disruption and do something good for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a long, long time ago, around the time of the Second World War, there was a, a little boy named Eustace. And he was a brat. Uh, he liked to be in control. Uh, he didn't like to share. Uh, he was um, bossy. He was cranky. He was rude. But under all of that, he was desperately insecure. Uh, he wanted to be loved just like everybody else would want to be loved. And yet the way that he behaved in the world around him actually made that being loved part really hard. Uh, people thought of Eustace as um, annoying. Uh, they thought of him as um, bossy, um, as controlling. And Eustace had some um, extended connection with some kids who weren't as annoying as him. And one day Eustace was um, being annoying and he was also in a room where there was this beautiful painting of an ocean scene and a ship on, on the ocean. And Eustace somehow through magic got pulled from his world into a different world. 
uh, he got pulled into a world that was deeply distressing to him because like he was in this other world, he was not in control. He didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, and he annoyed everyone around him who got pulled into this world with him. Now, the kids that he was pulled into the world with, they had been in this magical world and they really liked it. They were super excited because in this world, um, kids could do things that they couldn't do in the other world. They could actually really impact big ways the future of the world. They also, these good kids, knew that there was a lion in that world called Aslan, who was just like God. He was big and strong and he was caring and he was thoughtful but none of that was any consolation to little Eustace. The, the kids get in this world and Eustace begins to act even more like the brat that he was in the other world. He's rude. He's, um, he's uh, self, full of self-pity. He is not getting along with anyone. And the kids just feel annoyed by him. And maybe you've been... Uh, around someone like Eustace. They're not a lot of fun to be around. Maybe today you come into this room and you're acting a bit like Eustace with some of your friends or your family, just wanting to be loved and yet doing all the things that make being loved really, really hard. Well, Eustace started to separate and if you've ever been in a bad season in your life, it's very tempting to just separate from people, to take some space. So he used to go on long, long, long walks away from all the friends because it wasn't easy to be around people. He was not at his best and they really weren't all that happy with the way Eustace was acting. And so he would go out into the woods in this strange world and he was thinking, why are they so happy here and why am I so uncomfortable here? See, the truth of the matter was Eustace wasn't comfortable because he wasn't in control. He wasn't comfortable because he didn't know what was going to happen next. And because of that lack of being in control, Eustace, the worst parts of Eustace were coming out. He was acting like a brat, but he was really afraid. And I once heard somebody say in my own life that when you get in circumstances where you know you're not in control, you get squeezed by those circumstances. And sometimes when we're squeezed, the stuff that comes out of us is not all that good, great, or inspiring. Well, that was happening to Eustace. And chances are in some way or another, that's happening to you. See, we all get in times in life where the illusion that we're in control just gets destroyed, where we realize I'm not in control. And oftentimes what comes out of us when we realize we're not in control, when we're squeezed by circumstances is not great. It's not inspiring. So Eustace, he's at his worst. And he goes out into this place and he comes upon a pool and he sees a dragon lying down beside the pool, wisping its last breast. This dragon is dying and Eustace is terrified and kind of exciting because he's being drawn to something that feels like really cool. And he looks around and he sees a dragon's lair with all kinds of treasure. And Eustace begins to think, I think I can capitalize on this. Like if this dragon dies, I'll go and take the dragon's hoard and then I'll have something. And then he begins to think, maybe this is why I was meant to be in this world. I could come into this world and I can exploit resources. I can like get rich and be uh, in charge of a dragon's horde. So Eustace watches this dragon kind of kick the bucket and he goes and he starts looking around and there are coins and there are bracelets and there are rings and there are fancy jewels. And Eustace takes one of those bracelets and he takes it. And he slides it up on his arm and it goes all the way up here because he has a puny little arm, you know, like me, 
like kids do sometimes. Would have fit down here on a dragon, you know, but it fit up here on him and he goes to sleep. And he goes to sleep thinking dragonish thoughts, laying down on a dragon's hoard of jewelry and treasure. And he wakes up later on and he wakes up because his arm hurts. He wakes up because there's this feeling. Now, many of us in this room have fallen asleep on our arm and it goes to sleep and it starts tingling. And then you wake up and there's like a weird numb feeling. That's what Eustace was feeling. He felt a pain in his arm and he looks out, walks out to the water and he looks down into the water and he sees that dragon looking back at him and he gets really still. He thinks, oh God, I thought it died. And when he turns his head a little bit, the dragon turns his head just like him. When he moves an arm, the dragon moves his arm just like him. And he takes a minute and realizes that it's not a dragon, but it's actually his reflection looking back at him in the water. Eustace went to sleep thinking dragonish thoughts, and he woke up having become the thing that he was most afraid of. It's a dragon. He looks at his arms and his arms are scaly. And I don't mean like scaly, like you need to put some lotion on them. I mean scaly, like green and hard and crusty. And he looks at his other arm and it looks the same way. And his fingernails have become massive, thick claws. And he lets out a snort. Smoke and steam and fire come out. And sure enough, Eustace now knows that he has become a dragon. He's not a little boy. He's not a brat. He's a big, scary, strong dragon. And he begins to feel desperately sorry for himself. He begins to feel deeply alone because who wants to hang out with a dragon? See, Eustace was afraid of being alone. And now he's actually living in a way where his external appearance, the way that he behaves, the way that he looks, the way that he acts now has caught up to what was going on on the inside of him. And now he's really really alone. So he spends days by himself, days trying to come to terms with what he looks like and um, how is he ever going to be connected to people again. No, nobody wants to hug a dragon. Nobody wants to kiss a dragon. Nobody wants to hold a dragon's hand. And so Eustace begins to think, this is it. And then a thought comes to him. He thinks, well, dragons are not easy to hug, but dragons do have some cool abilities. Like, let's just think through a couple of dragon abilities. Number one, they can fly. Like, that's cool. And so Eustace thinks, maybe I'll go back and convince them that it's really me. And then I can like put them on my back and I can take them for a ride. I can at least use this hideous thing that I've become and be powerful in a way that would actually help my friends. And maybe they'll like me again. And then he thinks, dragons, they... They breathe out fire. He's like, I could start fires. I could, I could help them cook. I could, um, I, I could really do my thing. If you've ever watched like Survivor or that show alone, you know, making fires tough. And Eustace is thinking like, I'll just go like, and then steak, you know? So he works up his courage, not unlike the pro prodigal son. And he goes back to his friends. And now he's got a dilemma because he doesn't speak. He, he's a dragon, but he can understand English. And so he goes in and he tries to convince these people without the ability to utter words that it's Eustace. <laughs> the kids had kind of experienced Eustace as a bit of a dragon. And so it didn't take them long to kind of figure out, I think that's our annoying buddy Eustace. 
Before long, they welcome him into their space. And Eustace is big and scary, but he just wants to be useful. So he starts to take them for rides. They, they fly places. He starts to light fires for them. He, he begins to be useful. And you know the really interesting thing? Some of us in this room have just settled for being useful. We thought, like, I got all these dragonish edges to me. And make no mistake about it, we look like dragons in all sorts of ways. Some of us are more aggressive. We're bigger than we should be. We're, we're loud. We're, we're, we're even violent sometimes with our words or our actions or our energy. And others of us use our dragon nature to just fly away and be all by ourselves. We're disconnected. We're cut off. Some of us use a real polished veneer to be something less than the little girl or the little boy that's deep, deep, deep down inside. And yet Eustace was having a really hard time figuring out how to be. See, he didn't want to just be big and powerful. He didn't want to just start fires. He wanted to be loved. He wanted to be a little boy again. But he settled for functionality, settled for, well, I may be scary, but at least I can be useful. And some of you feel that way in your friendships, in your marriage, maybe in your relationships, you think I may be X, Y, or Z, you fill in the gap, but at least I can just be useful. Well, after a while, Eustace realizes that he doesn't want to just be useful. He recognizes that he may never get to that little boy again, but that he wants to try. So he goes off by himself. And he ends up on top of a mountain, like really far away from his friends. And he's feeling these feelings of regret and loss because, you know, he'd just become someone that he didn't want to be. And some of us, we, we, if we're honest, if we, if we slow down, if we cease the distraction, if we look in the mirror, we find our own reflection somewhere, we realize that like we come to seasons in our life and we're just not who we thought we would be. We're not where we thought we would be. We've got hard edges or we're, we're cut off or we're not as tender as we used to be. And I think that when Eustace made his way up on top of that mountain, he probably, if he knew his Bible was thinking something like, is it possible for what Ezekiel the prophet so many years ago said that God could, that this Aslan could take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh? Can, can anybody take hard things and make them soft again? Well, while Eustace is up on top of that mountain, the lion, the God lion comes. His name is Aslan. And Aslan looks at Eustace and he says, do you want to be a boy again? Eustace is like, yeah, I do. I, I do want to be a boy again. I, but what I've got are these claws and these scales and I've got this persona. And Aslan says, well, you just have to cut into it. You just have to peel it away. And so Eustace takes his claws and he cuts him right there into his chest and he pulls and a whole layer of dragon skin comes off. I don't know if you've ever seen a snake that slithers out of its skin. It's really cool. Kids, you should go look it up on, on uh, YouTube. You've got like a snake with its skin and then you've got this like shell of skin that used to be the snake's skin and it's just there. Well, that's what used to look like. There was like a whole dragon skin just laying right there on the ground and he thinks, ah, I've made it. I'm a boy again until he looks at his hands and he realizes there's more dragon underneath the old dragon. And isn't it like that sometimes when you try to fix yourself, you know, 
there's always like some dragon underneath. And it's one of the things that actually kills the spirit of grownups is that you just keep on chipping away and there's always more dragon underneath. And we just get really discouraged sometimes because there's always more dragon underneath. And Eusis does it again. He, he, he cuts in again and it hurts, you know, but he can deal with it and he peels and more dragon comes off. And next to the one skin, there's now another skin and more dragon underneath. And that's the moment where a lot of us just give up. You know, we just walk off the mountain and we think, well, at least I can fly and start fires. You know, I can, I can be useful in some way, but no one will ever be that close to me. And the thing that I've been thinking about, and maybe this is why the story came, came to my, my heart and my imagination right before the first service, is that um, one of my favorite theologians, his name is Miroslav Volf. He's a, an Eastern European He wrote a book called Exclusion and Embrace, and he said that many of us live our lives either in an aggressive posture or a, a defensive protective posture, and the truth is when we live like this or like this, we protect ourselves, but what we miss when we protect ourselves is the potential to be embraced, to be hugged. And what Aslan says to Eustace is he says, if you want to be a boy again, you're going to have to let me do it. And he invites Eustace to lie down and open up his arms. And here's the thing when you open up your arms, you might be hugged or you might be hurt. It's the definition of what it means to be vulnerable. And most of us give up vulnerability because we just are afraid of being hurt. Well, Eustace has to do this. He has to open up. And Aslan also has claws. Lions, like dragons, have claws. And Aslan says to his friend, he says, if you want me to get to the boy inside, it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt worse than when you tried to get to the boy inside. Do you know sometimes the recovery of who we're really meant to be is really painful? Because inside that dragon, there was a little image-bearing child. There was a little boy named Eustace. There was a little boy, an insecure boy, a hurt boy, but a boy. And Aslan, he, he cuts in deeper than Eustace could or would go. And he does what Eustace can't do, which is to get to the very core of the issue. In all of our efforts to be recovered or renewed or to be who we're supposed to be, we'll never be able to get to the core of the issue apart from the life and the power and the help of God. It just doesn't work. You can't cut deep enough. You just can't get there. Or you won't get there because we're afraid of pain. And so Aslan gets deeper as only God can and out of the crust that was thicker than imaginable a little boy emerges. Eustace is back. And Aslan looked at that dragon and Aslan knew that there was a boy inside the dragon. Now everyone else just saw a dragon. And I believe that for you and me, when God looks at us, he sees deeper than your sin. He sees deeper than the crust that you accumulate. He sees deeper even than maybe the person sitting next to you sees when they look at you. And he's always wanting us to let him get to the recovery of who you are as an image-bearing child of God. So Eustace emerges. 
And he goes back with his friends. And here's the kicker, y'all. When C.S. Lewis tells this story, he says that there were times where Eustace acted again a bit like a dragon. But Lewis says something that I've always taken heart in. He says, but the cure had begun. God had started a work. And I believe that for you and for me, the Lord wants us to have the courage to occasionally look in the mirror and see where there are some dragon scales and begin to let God get us into some places where he does some deep work in us. Now, for those of you in this room who are parents, you cannot do this work with or for your kids until the Lord does the work in you. What your kids need more than anything else is to watch the dragon skin come off of you, to watch God work in your life. And when that happens, you then have moral authority to begin to invite your kids into the same journey. Too often what we want to do is we want our kids to do things that we ourselves are either unable or unwilling or uncertain about how we ought to do them. And so we just want them to get it done. It just doesn't work that way. If you're able, let's stand together.